This week on Ace on the House, Adam and Ray welcome Ed Begley Jr. and his lovely wife, Rochelle. Oh, there's, there's I like, Ed. I like there how tight is. the suit is, too, Eddie. camel sort of, toe. Uh, loose. Camel, that's the word for it. Loose <laughs> sleeves and a tight suit. Oh. Yeah. God help us. Yeah, and it was God great. The thing that was great about this is that's what I used to look like. I know. Ed, Ed, is a, Ed is a hell of a skater. I mean, you watch this episode, you'll see the man does more than ride a bike or crap in a bucket. <laughs> he, he can skate. Check out an all-new episode of Ace on the House this Saturday or visit aceonthehouse.com only on the Ace Broadcasting Network. You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. Hey, everyone. Before we start, I just want to say a couple words about one of our brand new sponsors. Are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? either with a partner or yourself, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs, plus a free extra gift so sensual, I can't even mention it on this podcast. Do you know how sensual that is? It's like more sensual than you can even imagine. And to top it all off, We'll throw in a free shipping, a free shipping, not just a free shipping, but we'll throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BEST, B-E-S-T, for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use the offer code BEST at adamandeve.com. Everyone, hi. Hello, it is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to the third episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend, or possibly the second if we decide to switch the order, but probably the third. I am speaking to you from Mark Marin's Cat Ranch. He has been nice enough to allow me and producer Gary, who we're going to rename, uh, to come and do our podcast at his studio. Hello, Mark. How are you guys? I'm good. Thank you so much for letting us do this here. Absolutely. I've never been in a position where I'm, I'm a guest on a show, yet I'm, I'm, working the, uh, I'm watching the levels. I was going to say. Yeah. I was going to say, you're a guest on our show yeah. at your house, but you put yourself in sort of the- uh, Driver's seat? Exactly. Well, I mean, usually, uh, you want to sit over here? You can sit no, in this No, no, I don't need to. I, I'm, I'll try to not, I'll pretend like I'm not, uh, I'm just a guest in my own garage. If I get over there and you're on Facebook right now, so help me, Mark Marin. Yeah, I'm just getting some details on you. Okay. Yeah, I want to so, know more about you. Here's the thing, though. Now, your wonderful podcast, you interview the guests and then you do the intro afterwards, right? Yeah, I do. See, I don't do that, but I think I might adopt that soon because right now you're going to have to sit through me talking about some personal bullshit if I decide to go that way. Well, you know what you can do, and let's not tell anybody, is you don't have to tell people you do it that way. It's really just a, it's a technical thing. Right. And now everyone knows that I do it, but they, they know that they can get that. But radio's magic. You can right. just, you know, don't tell anybody that you're cutting everything out of sequence. Let them think that it's all happening right there. Okay. So cut all this out. 
but it's so good. Okay, you're right. I just want to keep it. It's very well, compelling. I'll just okay. Well, then, real fast, I will just share with the listeners and you guys what I wanted to talk about at the beginning, which is ridiculous. There's this Lady Antebellum song, "Need You Now." It's yeah. huge, you know. And I didn't give it much thought until I heard it twice in a row, grocery shopping, same aisle, both times. Wow. And around the time I get to the dairy, I'm no longer thinking about it. But at the beginning, I always hear it, and I think, what song is this? And then it goes on, and, and then it begins to make me really sad because there's something so lonely and desperate about it. Mm. And so I actually, I have this segment on the show called Deleted Tweets, mm-hmm. where I share tweets that I thought of tweeting, but that I didn't for whatever reason. And this should have been a deleted tweet, but instead I actually tweeted it where I said... Um, confession, every, like something like every time I hear Lady Antebellum's Need You Now, it always almost makes me cry. And I mentioned that I heard at the grocery store. So then a lot of people wrote back and they're like, um, th- that, the, the booty call song, you know, <laughs> because it is like it's a quarter after one. I'm right. a little drunk and I need you now. Yeah. Um, so then I was uh, talking to my boyfriend in bed, but it wasn't sexual. It was right. just sleepy. Uh, and I mentioned this to him and I'm like, Did you, do you think it's a booty call song? It's the kind of pillow talk we have. Mm. And so then I pulled out my iPhone and I played it for him. And then I began crying. Yeah. Because you know what's hotter than uh, anything? A yeah. girl crying in bed. Especially, yeah, before sex. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after sex, that's really hot. But before during. sex. I've done the during. Have you? Mm-hmm, I have. Well, have it, you really? Yeah. But here's why. What was the situation? Um, I... Uh, <laughs> I had a couple ovarian cysts that I had to have removed oh, so in hot. December. This I know. is getting hotter and I know. hotter. Just you wait. Yeah. So before that, like when the surgery was scheduled, though. Yeah. But um, but before I had had them, and they didn't quite know what it was. <laughs> right. So I, and I was having weird pains and things. Wow. Yeah. Just say it slower. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. So I was having weird pains. Yeah. And I didn't know uh-huh. what uh, what the fuck was going on. Oh, and fuck I would, yeah. So we would be during sex, and I was thinking to myself, just just go with it. Just and then like <laughs> it just so it happened so fast. I was just like, don't cry because that's. And then I just burst into tears. Uh, what the guy say? He. Uh, I know. He I know. Got more turned on. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it's big. Yeah. He said we can stop. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, whatever. So anyway, back to that though. So anyway, my point is just, what the fuck is wrong with me that I that this song is making me cry? And I'm sure, like, I should be I should basically be in therapy again because I'm sure it's bringing something up. No, I mean songs. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of songs that do that to me, and I and I play them on purpose sometimes. Certain songs move you in a certain way. That's the magic of music. It, mm-hmm. it triggers something. That's a, a perfectly appropriate response to a piece of music you don't want to be crying in the supermarket but i mean that's why i have to change stores to someplace that just plays phil collins well that would make me angry you don't want to be walking through the supermarket angry either but i mean but some songs are very moving i can't understand it but i know there are some songs that really kind of like oh my god they might bring you back to another time and booty calls you know sometimes they're sad and desperate well that's the thing (laughs) i think see i think for usually i would say more more so than not this is a gendered argument, but I think for women, a booty call often, usually, usually often, isn't just about the physical, or really isn't about the physical at all. It's about that emotional yearning. Yeah, yeah. Do you still and love me? Why aren't you calling me anymore? Right. Look, and I'm like, here. I'm not going to be okay if you don't come over. Right. Which, I mean, I, I'm not that way anymore, but I certainly spent years having those kind of unhealthy codependent relationships. Where are you? What's going yeah. on? Why don't you come over right now? If you love me, you'd come over right, right now. Right, why don't you love me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, mm. 
Yeah, that's a very always... young feeling too. I think. Well, there, I think we tracked it. I think maybe it brings up all that stuff for you. All right, let's not, let's move on. Lest I cry. Oh, let's play the song. <laughs> we have to go to the store. So last night, Mark Maron, mm-hmm. you tweeted, "I am anxious, uncomfortable, and needy. It just looks like anger, but mm. it's not." Yeah. Explain. Well, I mean, I get, I've been, been called angry my whole life, and I think that there were times where I was angry, but I think most of the time that anger thing is just about, like, I've got no control over this situation, damn it, fuck you, and and now I, I don't feel like I'm as angry because I'm a little happier with myself because things are going okay, and after 25 years of banging my head against the wall, something is starting to work out, so that weird anger of not succeeding is gone, and then if I really look at myself, I'm not depressed, I'm not really... You know, that angry, but I am anxious and I am sort of like, you know, needy and that that and and a little bit panicky. And I have to manage that stuff. But I think that anxiety and neediness can easily become anger because Mm -hmm. you're like, why? Why is it not about me now? And what else is anger? (laughs) Right. But do you think you're perceived as angry? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I have a real hard time with how people perceive me. I think that people that really know me or people that I let in uh, don't see me that way. I think I'm intense. But people that just see me from afar or judge me by my stand-up or how they think I walk down the street. Yeah, I've been called angry a lot in my life. And I think I was. My comedy was angry. I was angry. There's no doubt about that. Ask my uh, ex-wife. I'm definitely angry. You can <laughs> ask the, the second one. That, or either of them, yeah. But uh, you can ask my girlfriend now, and she would say, uh, "Yeah, we have our problems, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm generally angry anymore. I don't want to disappoint anybody." Well, see, that's actually something I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. on on your show. You have a lot of exchanges with the guests where you talk about something that happened in the past, and you, you know, you you are pricked to them, or they feel you were, or whatever. But yeah. so I get the sense that you were this sort of. I don't know, contentious, like angry guy, but you, I I don't know you very well, but the exchanges I've had with you, you've always been really nice. I'm very guarded. I was very defensive. And I always assumed that everybody was about to, uh, was judging me. I was always assuming that like they thought something of me. So I reacted to that. I would think like I'd walk into a situation and I would be preemptively defensive. I'd take shots at people. I would keep people away with my humor and shooting little daggers here and there. So I think that that was more what it was. I was sort of intimidating, but it, uh, you know, it, uh, you're not just, just beneath that is just a big pussy. There's no doubt about that. Were you doing it in Intentionally, though, I was natural. It just uh, I was just a guarded person, and uh, I because I didn't want to get hurt in any situation. I'm a, you know I'm, I, I don't want to admit it, but yeah, I'm incredibly sensitive. Uh, not in a good way. I'm not saying that I'm sensitive in an empathetic way. I'm saying that my feelings are very easily hurt over bullshit. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, a, a very well focused internet troll can fuck my night up. Well, that's actually another thing I wanted to ask you. Didn't you have a like no troll engagement policy? Yeah, I had the no troll engagement and policy, it, the NTEP. It's yeah. inspired me. And yet on Twitter last night, it's. Are we seemed... under attack? My God. <laughs> that sounds like it's right over the it house. Does. I don't know if people. That sounds like it's huge, right? It's a weird neighborhood. Sometimes they fly, you know, B 52 bombers over occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just to see if they still run. No, no. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes, yeah, a no troll engagement policy. Right. Are you still keeping that? Well, I try to. Like, I, you know, it depends. Like, sometimes I go through these tr- Twitter frenzies 
where I just can't stop tweeting, and I just uh, anyone who gets in the way of those or, or judges me for them or, or says anything, I'll, I'll shoot them down. Sometimes mm-hmm. people say stuff like I hate the people that make jokes about you and then they put your Twitter name in yes, their it's joke. Like if you're going to be a dick, why are you bringing it to my attention? Right, and then then you call that's your point. Right, and then you call them out on it. They're like, it's just a joke. I'm like, it's not really a joke, yeah, and you know, you're blocked. A, you're just sniping. Yeah, yeah. I've taken the uh, the Benson approach to uh, you know, actively capital all caps blocking people publicly. And sometimes I do it. But a lot of times you do that. And then the, the, most trolls, if you poke at them, they're like, sorry, man, just was trying to, you know, do this or that or make you like me. Or I just want you retweeted, you know, I, uh, whatever. Yeah, I can't figure out what to do on that front because I, you know, that's the thing is that when you're reading the Twitter feed, every every little tweet sort of has the same value. Right. So you're not like, this is someone I'll never meet who's possibly 16 with zero followers. you just like, this is a person who, you know, all of a sudden it's back at the schoolyard and someone just said something shitty about you. So I have that sort of knee-jerk reaction to say something as well. Um, but then anytime I do... Uh, a bunch of other people are like, you know, you're just encouraging them. That's what they want. You just have to ignore them. And then I was realizing, well, if you ignore them, you know, no one else is going to see these tweets. Right. And also, I think there's part of our brain that says the Internet just shit on me. Yeah. It's it, it, you this never is representative of what everyone yeah, on there. Thinks. Yeah. And it's never you never I never think like, you know, that guy's got no followers or who is that guy? And then I go check after I've said something shitty or I've engaged right. and it's like he's he's got four tweets. And and three of them are shitty ones to me, yeah. and no one's following them. I never think that. All of it, 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 when it immediately happens, I'm like, the computer and everything it's connected to is just shit in my yard. Mm-hmm. But I find that uh, fuck it, block them. And I, I encourage it. It's yeah. it's very empowering. It's like, yeah, I'm done. And announce that you're blocking it. Though? If you want to, yeah. I mean, I think they should know. Uh, and then they get all bitchy about it. It's fun to block somebody and then go see the the follow up, especially people go I was just joking. You're like, fuck you. You're blocked. And then you go see the three tweets after that. And they weren't joking. They're dicks. Right. and They don't like you. Right. And they, they just want to you know push your button. So then yeah, I'll push that button. You're blocked now. Why not? Why well, not? It's like when they when they put shit in your feed, they're literally shitting in your yard. That's your computer yard. And now yeah. I got to look at that shit and I can't yeah. get rid of it. What do I need that for? That's right. I can't believe this is a real problem. Yeah. Like this not, is a real problem. I'm not going to I'm not a hoarder. I don't need to keep them. <laughs> look at my. Well, my, that's the thing is that it's not. And for anyone who doesn't have Twitter right now, they're no longer listening. But it's not a real problem because if. It just exists inside your phone or inside your computer. Like, if you don't look at it, it's not there. But it's impossible not to look at it. Right. I'm compulsive. I'm a compulsive mention refresher. I can't, you know, if I'm in it, I've wasted a lot of hours. But also, there's the issue of accessibility. I mean, we're in a we're in a period in time right now where we're so easily accessible. I mean, in order to not be accessible, either your celebrity has to be so big and that you really don't give a fuck and you don't engage with that stuff or you have other people engage with it. But when you're, you know, when you're kind of boots on the ground, mid-level famous person or whatever, mm-hmm. you have a profile, it, it's very hard to deliberate. But people can get at you in any number of ways. Right. I was just surprised to find out that it, it wasn't so hard to find my phone number. I got a call from some guy I pissed off on Twitter. And I, I was baffled and amazed. Like, all of a sudden, the phone rings. It's like, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, really? This is happening? And, wow. and oddly, my first reaction was like, why are you calling at my house? Where'd you get it? My yeah. first reaction was to address the problem directly. I'm like, well, who are you? To-? And we had this big argument. <laughs> Turns out he was a fan. A guy upset him and we resolved it. But it was still, it's people can find your shit and they can get at you. And I don't know that it's ever been this easy. Wait, what was he upset about, though? And how did you resolve this? We need to know more about this phone call. 
Oh, that makes me nervous to talk about oh, it. But okay. I, no, but no, but I think it's it's okay. It was just you know I had uh, misunderstood uh, something that he tweeted. You know, he was you know genuinely a fan, and you know he said something just to you, you, to make a point. Mm-hmm. And I I was in a mood, so I took it personally, and I tweeted back at him, and I said something rude, and he got pissed off. And uh, he went to where people go to find out things about people. It's not that hard. I mean, public records are sites that have that. Right. And at some point, you just have to hope that, you know, you just have to you know, realize that you're, you're, you're not protected unless you put a lot of effort into protecting yourself. But once we got on the phone, you know, we hashed it out and it got to the point where he was like, uh, you know, he was saying things like, well, yeah, I got some suggestions for the show. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, I think I got to go, you know. <laughs> So, an idea for your stand well, but it was okay, but it was just a little freaky, you know, yeah. you know, but there was a time, I mean, just because, you know, I'm a public personality. I mean, there was a time where you, everyone's name was in the phone book. You mm-hmm. could call everybody. Right. But it, after or a you certain could call point, information, remember that? Sure. There, but, you know, after a certain point, you're like, how, 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 uh, how they get that? It's easy. I mean, anybody is proficient, you know, on a computer and knows where to look and tr- probably track you down. Right. You just well, hope for the best. Yeah, I, I'll have weird things happen where I'll upload a video or a picture or something, and then someone who, who I don't know who's actually a fan, though, will be like, I just want you to know I can find out all this information from the picture. I can tell what you're wearing. I can tell how you styled your hair. I'm just kidding. They'll find like all yeah. that sort of, you know, yeah. the location and stuff, and that's freaky. And also even on your phone. I mean, if you've got a switch on your phone that, you know, if you're, your location thing is or right. where you're tweeting from, I mean, it, you, there's a lot of things you don't even know. Like, you know, it, when you have a phone, I mean, this thing is basically a GPS. It can work either way. I, I don't I don't understand a lot of things about what's going on out there, but you don't really realize it. I got a couple of uh, – of emails before from people who were like, you know, I know where your house is. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do with that. Right. I mean, what am I going to build a gate? You, you know, need I to don't, move. Well, I don't have the money. I'm not Adam <laughs> Carolla. I'm not Joe Rogan. I can't build a fortress somewhere and have a, you know, closing gate. I just got to, you know, if people, I just hope they're just nice. Trust. Yeah. yeah. If they, if they want to drive by and go, hey, Marin, you suck. All right. That's sort of like live tweeting. Right. right? That would be the, <laughs> <laughs> that's just a live tweeter. He's out there in my yard saying, you're a dick. And I'm like, you're a troll. Get off of my lawn. You're it's blocked from my yard heckler. yeah but <laughs> yeah. uh you know I, I i don't know it's a little scary I, I try not to think about it too much if i have a disagreement with a friend over email or text mm-hmm. i won't even pick up a phone yeah so that's pretty uh we'd rather text i mean a go-getter of a fan yeah. to pick up to, to hunt you down via phone to address the twitter issue yeah it was in it was a home phone which i hardly ever use i just right. have it for radio but it, but i knew i knew it i knew it you know i knew it was gonna i knew it was him for some reason but it, it worked out, you know, it, it, it doesn't like I don't know if I should talk about these things, but I'm relatively public about things. But um, but it, I don't I don't you know, how do you handle that? I've all, I've often said and I hate when I say I've often said, but like when you Why? have because it's weird, I'm quoting myself. Who am I? Yeah. Bob Dole? I'm going to start talking about myself in the third person. But uh, Bob Spalding Dole. Why, why is that the reference? Um, but uh, yeah. but no, if you have somebody who's obsessed with you, or you have a stalker. But then again, I'm not a woman. And I think it's different. But if someone is, is, if you have a stalker, the best thing you could do, if you can safely do it, is is go to lunch with them or have coffee with them because you'll disappoint them. I mean, they they they've built something this is out of you. Wonderful news to stalkers out there. <laughs> no, because no, because they have this relationship that is based right. on on it's one sided. Yeah. So a lot of times if you show up and you're maybe you're just, you know, kind of you didn't comb your hair, you're just kind of like, eh, fuck you. And you know, you're not what they thought you were. They'll be like, oh, you're not what I thought you were. Hmm. I'm going to go stalk somebody else. I'm going to make up an imaginary relationship with someone, some other person. What if you actually pursue them? Stalk them right back. I've done that. You have. Yeah. 
Tell me about that. That was, uh, I talked about it a bit on, uh, on a live show. I had a guy, where the hell, what was the venue? Oh, I remember exactly what it was. Um, you know, Tom Sharpling, mm-hmm. the best show on WFMU. Is that, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, he's a great guy, but you know, he has a message board and there was a guy on his message board that was just saying shit about me. That was just sort of like, it was like he was campaigning to convince everybody on that message board that I was an asshole, that I was a sexist, that I was a racist. He was misquoting my jokes. It was like, it, it was his obsession and it was driving me nuts. But then, then again, you're not thinking like only four people look at this or 20 people or even a hundred who cares. It's a, it's a small segment yeah, but it's the Your internet. Brain just yeah, the internet. The, same this, the internet everything. is attacking me. So then, like through, like I looked at it was it was ridiculous. You know, like I looked at his name, and uh, and I looked at his his avatar, uh, and you know through like and then I went onto Facebook to see if I could find his real name or to find which one of you know, like several people had his name. But from the from his avatar, is that what you call him? Yeah. On on Sharpling's blog, I knew it was a it was a an, a live action avatar from Punch Drunk Love. So I went and searched his name on Facebook, and there were several of them. And I looked through them, and I found some guy whose favorite movie was Punch Drunk Punch Drunk Love, and I'm like, that's the guy. And then basically, I just messaged him on Facebook. And and I said, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna quote my jokes, quote the whole joke. You know, don't you know take chunks of my material to prove your point because that's bullshit. And he gets back to me. He's like, how did you find me? And I'm like, how am I the bad guy? Right. You, you know, look what you're doing over there. But I went through this effort and tracked him down, and we had this weird engagement around this stuff. And then it got back to Tom, and it blew up. Um, what was Tom's reaction? Well, he had known the guy because the guy was active on his board, but. He, he, it's like I I don't know where the boundaries are. I had that happen on radio too, where um, was that Air America? Yeah, where some guy was you know uh, emailing the show saying I sucked, you know, and for reasons like you know I didn't know my politics or I'm a child and all this stuff, and you know I don't like your comedy or I think it, it was that one. Some guy was like I don't like what you do, and then I wrote back. I'm like, well, what about it? You know, what are you talking about? Maybe I'm just not for you. And and he's like, no, uh, you you have a you're this, you're that. And I wrote back to him. I'm like, well, why don't you give me the bits? And eventually, it got <laughs> to the point. He said, please stop emailing me. And I'm like, I'm the asshole. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, the t- you know, like he's the oh, guy. The tide has turned. Right. Like you know, <laughs> I'm the crazy guy who's emailing some dude too much who was like calling me an asshole. Right. It, it was a horrible moment of realization, a high tech moment of like, I've got to manage this shit. See, the thing, I just find that none of that makes me feel better than I felt before. And I don't know if that's how it is for you. You always feel good in that moment where you think, like, I got them. And then, like, they, oh, yeah. you, you just play into their trap because they just turn it on you. I don't even know what that skill is. But they're waiting for you to engage with them. Yeah. Because so, then they know you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then they've got you open. And now they can just dump more shit into you. Right. I had, There's someone who leaves these shitty comments on my blog, um, like shitty kind of violent comments, and he disagrees with my politics, and but, but mishears what my politics actually are. Hmm. Um, it, but anyway, uh, I always wonder whether to approve them or not. And I, you know, when he sends in the comments, his email address is attached. So I did a little research and like, you know, eventually one site to the next to like different ultimately my space and i was like aha i know his daughter's name and i was like i know i'll respond and i'll somehow weave his daughter's name into it and then and then i'm like what the hell am i doing like it's your version of i'll kill your family well i just wanted him to know that (laughs) i I know know who he is yeah 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 i'd seen homeland recently as well so so what ultimately happened with that guy oh nothing I, i did nothing with it 
Yeah. And I, because I realized, okay, now I'm being crazy. I'm being crazy. Yeah. Here's yeah. a question for you. Okay, so I, I had to let the people know, because I'm transparent. We just took a little break because you had to move your car. Um, do you ever feel the urge to reset in a podcast from your radio years? Like sometimes I want to, like 40 oh, yeah, minutes Oh, yeah, I was in. never that. I, it took me a long time to learn to reset. Like I'm mm-hmm. not... I wouldn't call myself a radio veteran. So like that that I whole that whole education of being on radio was really within 2 years. So I right. I never got into the habit of that without really kind of being very aware of it. So mm-hmm. I was always kind of bad at resetting even when I was on radio. Right. Okay. Well, I used to do a Ustream show where people would tune in at any point, so I would like I feel like probably a good 60% of the show was me welcoming people. Yeah. Um uh, so sometimes Late into the podcast, I feel this urge to be like for anyone joining now, and then it occurs to me no one joins at, the, yeah. at that point. You well, know? there was a, an uh, old radio guy that said that. Like I heard him talking about podcasts. So I want to bring up his name. He's not a local guy, but he's a big guy. He's like these podcasts. He's got these kids. They don't even know how to reset. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's because it's not necessary. It's uh, you know on demand yeah, listening. Exactly. You would think that if someone's locked in, they're not. All of a sudden, you know, kind of uh, randomly tuning into their iPod saying, right. like, who is, I hope they reset because I just, this came up out of nowhere. Yeah, who is this? Yeah. And how can I find out? Yeah. So Look Mark- at your radio. Look at your iPod. <laughs> so, Mark Marin, mm-hmm. when did See, now you- that's kind of a reset. That's, a, that's an old reset trick when you, when you, instead of like, I'm talking to you, mm-hmm. you're like, so Mark Marin. Right. Yeah. So Mark yeah, Marin yeah, yeah, of yeah. WTF. Yeah. Allison Rosen <laughs> wants to ask you a question well, on this podcast. Well, go ahead, Allison Rosen. When did you realize that you're a good interviewer? I well, when I was on Air America, there was a way of doing the interviews. Like, I never knew how to interview people, but usually people had an agenda. They were there to, you know, to spout their politics or just, you know, to push their book, whatever that was about. So there was a way to do it, and there was a way to, um, to, to get to what they wanted to talk about quickly. And usually if people is on a junket, or you know the story, like if, they're, if you're just doing phoners and someone's doing 10 of them, they just blast at you and you can't right. get a word in. So I became very hung up in those days with, I need to get a genuine moment out of these people. Like uh, like I remember Bill Clinton was on the phone and he didn't even listen to me. Like he, yeah. like he just kept talking. Or Ted Kennedy or somebody. But any time that I had a minute, especially like I had a great moment with, uh, what was that dude's name? The guy they always go to, the Ben Laden specialist on CNN. What's his name? I think he, he was a very kind of, uh, he's a little meek, uh, but he's written all the books on Ben Laden. I can't remember mm-hmm. his name. But like we would talk about heavy shit on Air America and we're, right. we're asking big questions in a very volatile time in the in the in the country. But it was always so important. Bergen, is that his name? Ber- uh, I don't remember. But um but it was always like I just wanted to get a laugh out of these people, so I would go out of my way to to find these just moments where I could disarm them from their narrative, so you could actually hear that they're people. And he'd be talking about Bin Laden and where's Bin Laden hiding, and I'd crack a joke, and I'd and I'd hear him laugh, and I'd be like, "Yes!" You know, <laughs> I, that, to me, that was the big uh, the big victory. And I think that my interview style just evolved out of that, out of trying to have as many real moments as possible, and even if it's just conversation, because it's very easy when you talk to people that talk publicly mm-hmm. everyone's got a script i've got one you know if, if i get interviewed and they say well how'd the podcast start i mean i've got a story right you know give or take a few things but you once you start saying things more than once that becomes your script and most people who live public lives have a script so the trick for me is to you try to not have that happen and i do that by 
either talking about myself too much uh, <laughs> to provoke something different or, or just trying to get away from that script. Right. Uh, that's uh, So when did I realize it? I, I don't know if I realize it now. I think I just look at them as conversations. And if the conversation feels authentic, I feel good. Mm-hmm. I are, are there any episodes that you feel disappointed about? Or do you ever walk away from interviews? Maybe not episodes, because maybe when you listen to them afterwards, if you listen, then you realize they were better than you thought. But do you ever... Do you ever walk away from an interview feeling like, oh, that didn't, I didn't get what I wanted out of well, that? Yeah, but, but, but I have to realize that my emotional needs are not necessarily um, comparable to other people's experience. It, right. Just because I feel that I didn't connect or I didn't get through, the truth is that the type of show I'm doing, which are really you know, audio portraits of people, you know, and, and just you, know, mo- you, know, you spend an hour with somebody even if they're cagey or even if they're hiding or, or being disingenuous, that an hour will give you an ability to sort of assess that person as a person. Mm-hmm. Even if it's that, like, oh, he didn't he didn't even talk. And that, that's the way that guy is. You know, he didn't get anything out of him. But maybe, whatever. I don't know how people react to my show on those levels. But so I don't talk about which ones I'm disappointed in because I know somebody who is a fan of that person right. is going to be like, I've never heard him talk for an hour. I mean, that in and of itself to somebody who has some sort of relationship with the guest, yeah, I don't want to deny them in that just because like, you know, I didn't, he didn't talk about his mom or like I didn't get to that thing that I heard. Like that happens a lot. I don't do much research and then I'll be out, out in the street somewhere in, in a club and like uh, someone will tell me something about a comic. I'm like, I didn't fucking know that. Yeah. I would have liked to talk to, he collects guns. That's a good, you know. But, uh, but there's been a few. But I still think that within any hour that, there's there's always something that happens that 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 I like, but there's been very few, maybe one or two, where I'm like, I can't, I I, I couldn't get through it all. I couldn't have, I couldn't get a conversation going that mm-hmm. that I thought was was genuine. Uh, but most more so than not, I'm just surprised as hell. Like he, recently, the conversation I had with Norm Macdonald, like I didn't, I don't. Most of the time, I talk to these people. We know each other. Like I know Adam or I, I know anybody, but th- I've never talked to them for an hour had a real conversation with a person for an hour. Who the hell does that? Mm-hmm. For any reason. I mean, people used to do it. I think it's a good thing to do. But you sort of make assumptions. Like, I you, you know, I know Norm MacDonald because I know his comedy and I know people he knows and we're both comics. But before he came over, I was in my house going, does he talk? I mean, right. am I going to be able to have a conversation? Like, what's going to happen in there? And then we get in here and it was amazing. And it was like, you know, it was deep and multi-leveled and self-effacing and self uh examining and and uh candid and, and i was just like after it was done i was like holy fuck that was amazing so most of the time you're hearing like 90 percent of the time they're their first conversations mm-hmm. you know uh, so it, it's it's bizarre a lot of people are talking about the todd glass episode yeah where he came out mm-hmm. did you uh know that he was going to on the oh episode? yeah absolutely i mean i got a call from him a month or so maybe two months before out of nowhere this weird call it was it was a message, and it's like, Mark, it's Todd Glass. I need to talk about to you about something. It's about me. It's personal. Uh, okay. And he hangs up. And then I called back almost immediately, and he didn't pick up. Ugh. And then we you know, we had a conversation, and he was like, I I want to do this. I'm, I want to you know I need to. It's about my sexuality, uh, and I, I you know I want to do it on your show because uh, I've talked to some other people about it, and I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. Uh, so we had conversations about it, and then he had to get a, you know, a few ducks in a row personally, and you know I had to sort of you know, prepare. Like I was nervous about that, not as nervous as him, but uh, but over a month or two, 
he 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 would I would get these calls. We're gonna do it after New Year's, and and then it, you know and then we did it. And he wanted it to you know to go up quickly so he wouldn't be mm-hmm. st- stuck with the anticipation right. of it. But no, it was definitely planned. But he had more to say than I did. I just needed to you know make sure that I was present. I knew I could handle it, and I and I and I love Todd, but I didn't want to be. You know, I didn't want to step on anything. I wanted to be respectful and try to, you know, keep him kind of, you know, in the groove. Uh, but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. What were your concerns? Well, well, it's an emotional thing. And I didn't know what to expect from him emotionally because I know Todd. He's very manic. Uh, he's, you know, he's very, he's he's always, you know, gunning for the laugh. And he's, he's a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's just who he is as a person. So I didn't know what, you know, what he was going to be feeling. So the the, the range of emotion that he had you know, what was interesting about it was that it was all coming out of him, you know, and he, there were definitely things he wanted to say. He wanted to talk about the teenagers and, and how he was inspired, uh, you know, by these teenagers coming out and how he it broke his heart that uh, that people were bullied or hurt or, or couldn't live with themselves and suicidal because of it. So he had a lot of things that were kind of like giving him fuel to to have the courage to do what he was doing. And but then there was also the personal stuff with him. But but Todd always operates at, at this one frequency. So even after the interview, I, I just sort of kept him, you know, around. Yeah, you know, I just I, I just kind of wrangled it a little bit and, and, and asked my own curiosity and asked my questions. But it's interesting. After that interview, I realized that it all had one emotional frequency. It was it, there was anger uh, and there was uh, excitement and there was uh, but it was Todd. So it's all coming. You know, right. and, and, and and like I, I realized after the interview that. And he said to me afterwards, he said, you know, I wasn't going to cry. You know, I, 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 maybe I could have, but it, but I'm not looking for that. But I did think that there was part of the uh, emotions of it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the sort of relief and 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 sadness and, and maybe fear that there was a, a, a tone that really wasn't in the hour. So um, right before we were going to put the interview up, he left a message on my phone. That was basically, you know, I want to thank you. You know, it was really, and and I asked him. I said, "Can I can I put that in? Can we pull that and put that in?" Because I felt that you know that was, you know, that was a, a different tone. Mm-hmm. You know that there was there there was this gratitude and this relief, and uh, you know I could hear it in that little piece of recording. And he said, uh, "Yeah," and so you know we opened it with that on the interview, mm-hmm. and I, and I think it it made a, a a real difference to how you entered the rest of it, right. Given that you do share so much on the show, are the people in your personal life, do you feel like they act differently knowing that it could show up here? Or do they ask you not to talk about things? Well, you know, I'm with this uh, I, I'm with this girl and, and, I, and, and I think that um, I, I, I try to be respectful in, in that, like, I'm not always aware of that. I've made that mistake before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, I, her and I had problems and we broke up and it was very dramatic. This is Jessica. Yeah. And it was ugly and it was, you know, it was crazy and I talked about it. And I did material about her that you know referred to her as a stalker initially, and how we met and everything else. And and thinking as a comic, and and this is something comics have to deal with if they do material about their life right. is you're going to be up against a wall where you're going to have to choose your life, you know, over your material. That if you're with a woman or or your mother says this or or, or somebody says, look, you know, I'd appreciate it if you don't do that, and then you've got to be like, that's such a good fucking joke, though. And you really have to. I've been in, in any relationship I've been in. I've been at that juncture, and, and 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 I'm raw than more raw than most. I mean, when I got divorced, I mean, I dragged that woman through hell on stage. 
uh, not in a spiteful Scorch way. Scorch the earth. Scorching yeah, the scorching earth, the earth was. Which I saw, yeah, that was your one man show in New right, York, right? Right, but it was you know it was very unformed. It was me kind of like I used the stage to process, mm-hmm. and you know uh, when I started doing that, it was it, there, it was I didn't have any control over the emotions, and it was not a controlled performance. I mean, you can't do that. And it's one thing to be angry on stage, but it's better if you have a little distance from the anger, so you're acting angry and you're not genuinely. Right. The audience isn't sitting there like I don't think he's got a handle on this shit. But yeah, I've I've dealt with that, and and, and it, I think it comes down just to, to human respect, and you know people can only take so much, and she'll bring it up to me, and, and I and I don't do that joke anymore. I don't refer to her as a stalker anymore, and and I'm trying to be more um, proactive about you know, how I'm experiencing the relationship as opposed to uh, just you know kind of bloviating about my feelings, mm-hmm. yeah, out of respect for her. Yeah, I try not to. You don't want to deal with that shit because then it's it's just awful because you've just like there were during that time we were broken up. You know there were some episodes that I did and and, and you know they were they yeah, hurt her feelings because it's a mischaracterization. You know what you say about somebody in anger when you're. Why did you break up? And forgive me if you've already talked about this. Which... I couldn't handle it. You know I I you know it was getting very uh, intense and very heavy very quickly and I just freaked out I, I overreacted because mm-hmm. I, I, I no longer felt like I like as as off-putting as I am uh, in in terms of if I'm defensive emotionally or, or, or whatever or however you know uh, like a loner I may seem or mm-hmm. defensive or intense or all that stuff if somebody gets in to my life or gets yeah. into my heart I, I have I, it's very hard for me to say no. It's very hard for me to stand up for myself. It's very hard for me to say Well, I things. think that's, I mean, and I relate to that a lot. I think that's what that wall and that defensiveness is, is that, well, I can, for, for me, it it's the fear that I can't really negotiate and navigate those sort of interpersonal boundary things, which is why I have to just stay away. And if you want something from me that I don't want to give you, uh, we're not friends anymore. Right. But what if they're in you and 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 then, then you know I cry. right you don't have control over but you know I'm a I'm, I'm a guy and he, she was in my house and I couldn't have you know those was that a joke about yeah. I'm it's sorry okay. oh, I no, just, it's okay. I get so serious yeah I, I cry I, a lot seriously though so yeah. it's fine yeah but you cry when people are in you I know we covered that mm. damn okay. it. No, but I just uh, there, there's a moment where like I don't want to upset somebody, and 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 yeah. then I just wait till it builds up, and then it's huge and explosive and dramatic, and it's a big fight and it's fucking insane, mm-hmm. and that's how that's how I hold that's my my version of a boundary is, <laughs> is, is that you know fuck you this is bullshit right. as opposed to just saying during the time leading up to that hey I think we're having some issues here no just let it kind of simmer mm. until you explode over nothing and rip the whole thing down Ugh. so that's You're, what you like fighting though right. I, I did. I I find that there's a couple of reasons I don't. Uh, outside of realizing it hurts people, and 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 it um it it also there's some fights that you have that you'll never recover from. You know, you're creating fear in the person you're with over yeah. time to where they no longer want to communicate because they don't know when you're going to fly off the handle. It's completely right. uh, detrimental, and it works against a relationship. But uh, there, fighting is like sex, unfortunately. And, and a woman brought that up to me at a, at a comedy show, and I just refused to acknowledge it at the time. But you know, fighting is something I think some people do in place of sex. Uh, fighting is something that is sort of can lead to sex. and But it, yeah. it also, if rage has its arc, 
you know, that the feel if you're a rager and all of a sudden it's coming out of you and it's seeking closure, which is usually the other person crying or or drama, mm-hmm. that the, the 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 excitement of it and the passion of it, it's a lot like sex. Like you know you're gonna get this shit right, out. Right. And then when you, you you know you deliver the goods and they're upset and you've succeeded, there's that moment where you're like, I win yeah. and then after it's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, it's crazy because yeah. you have no control over it. But yeah, so, I mean, it's forcing the person to engage with you. Yeah, in a it's way. a it's an unhealthy way. Like I do a joke now where I say, uh, I just don't know if if I can't. How am I going to know if someone loves me if I can't make them cry? <laughs> so brutally honest. See, I I don't rage, and I'm afraid of it. Mm. Um, I have my dad has a lot of rage issues, and I have parents who fought all the time. They're still together, but they fought all the time. Yeah. Um. And they would always explain that, you know, the couples you see that look like they get along all the time. Well, they don't. By the way, this is a fucked up explanation on my parents part. You know, they don't actually uh, talk. Yeah. They don't talk to each other. Right. Like uh, the fact that we fight is because, you know, our relationship is live and all that. Now, I don't you know, as I get older. I don't know if that was sort of their dance or their thing. Like maybe it frightened me as a child, but they weren't really fighting. They were right. just bickering. I don't know. But so my response to anyone raising their voice at me or around me is that I kind of cower. Um, and that's actually an issue I have, which is that I can't handle other people's anger. Mm. So you, as someone who is prone to rage, though, what uh, what is like, can you explain that urge? It, it, it's weird when it happens. Because uh, it, it it's really uh a, a, it just comes over you. I mean it it it's so immediate. I'm surprised at how right under the surface it is. Mm-hmm. But it's usually I in my experience it's if someone's talking down to you or 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 telling you or setting you straight. Like I have a problem with authority, even if it's in a relationship. Mm-hmm. That it's innate. That if someone is saying you know you you're fucked up or you did this or you're or they take a shot at me, like it's almost instantaneous. The sort of like fuck you, who the right. fuck are you to you, you know? Like it's like so quick when somebody. So it's you get triggered. I get triggered by people condescending to me, and by people uh, you know talking down to me or or setting me straight. Uh, Where does this come from? Something earlier in your life. It's a good question. Uh, if anything, it comes from um, a lack of discipline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my parents were completely ineffective. Okay. And they, my parents were sort of like, my mother would say things like, do you want me to say no? When, I, when I'd ask her if uh, I could get, it's like, aren't you supposed to take some, tr- I mean, if right. I have any regret in my life is it was not having some sort of discipline. Yeah. So I think that part of me, when anyone tells me no, or, or you know, mm-hmm. you're doing something wrong, my immediate who says that to me yeah. my parents don't say that to me yeah. who the hell are you like it's yeah, weird I it's have childish that. I have that too I cannot hear no either explicitly or uh, you know uh, ta- like if it's just in the subtext yeah. if there's a no I kind of rage against it internally though that's the thing I, I never really expressed the rage but I did spend years you know making very self-destructive choices and yeah. and like it's like society says I shouldn't be drinking or sleeping around or yeah. doing you know fuck that yeah. and so I mean I guess in a sense maybe I do kind of understand the rage thing but I also had parents who weren't direct with saying no right um, and it was always this sort of a mind game and I know that you've talked about um, it's childish though you know because the, 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 the thing that's happening to me now 
is that for some reason, if you if you're emotionally retarded <laughs> for whatever reason, and that's using that word appropriately, that the the type of pain of rejection that you experience is, I think, very young. Yes. That, and, and so, like when someone says no to you, it hurts you, and 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 you're like, Bleh. yeah. It, so now, like as a grown up who's somewhat self aware, I just I didn't realize that relationships were compromised. I mean, I really thought like, you know, how could you like that? How could you want to do that? Why can't we do what I want to do? All that shit. Like it literally hurt my feelings to have to make concessions yeah. to my. No, thing. I remember wondering in a healthy relationship, are people compromising or is a healthy relationship one where magically each person just gets to always do what they want to do? No, and you it pick, works together. Right. I mean, that's yeah, that's it. Yeah. That, yeah you got to find young. somebody. Yeah. A, a doormat, <laughs> they're called in the recovery racket. Right. But but it really is picking your fights and realizing like it ain't so bad and, and feeling that ache of, of not getting to do what you want. I mean, that's life. I, I mean, avoiding that or pretending like you don't feel that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the way it is. So that weird kind of humbling ache of disappointment or frustration or of, uh, you know, having to compromise. I mean, that's really all life is. So the, the more you can get used to that ache and realize that it's not so bad because you're it, it forces you to live in the real world and be a, a decent person. Right. Uh, and then, acknowledge that other people exist and that if someone right. says no to you, it's not because they didn't hear you or they hate you or they're not going to take care of you. Right. It's it, because it, maybe it, they needed to pee first. Or yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It, it all comes down to stupid stuff. But I never really fully experienced that ache in a defined way that would enable me to be an appropriate adult. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. At some point, you got to grow the fuck up or else you're just going to be stuck in those weird patterns because all relationships become this collection of petty engagement, ticks, and predictable behaviors. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how you know people get comfortable. It's like, oh, she does that thing. I do this thing. And we do it over and over again. And it's sort of comforting until yeah. it's until it's like, ah, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Don't ever do that again. I also remember not wanting to I think this is when I was in the midst of acting out pretty unhealthy stuff uh, and just not wanting to be in a healthy relationship or what I thought was a healthy healthy relationship and saying to a therapist so wait let me get this like so I just find a guy that I like and he likes me and that's it mm-hmm yeah. but like what's the fun of that yeah like, yeah I where's the tension like, yeah I don't where's get the that drama at all yeah do you feel like an adult now Sometimes uh, I feel a little better because I'm working a lot and I'm working hard and it's working out. So and and I have responsibilities, but I do get I I get overwhelmed very easily at at, at everything. And I think a lot of uh, acting out is just relief. You know, Mm -hmm. it's getting out of yourself and, you know, figuring out healthy ways to do that. You know, if I've got too much to do and I find myself just, you know, pacing around my apartment and jerking off to porn at one thirty in the afternoon, uh, it's not because I'm like, yeah, I really want to see some sex. It's because, like, I don't want to be me. You know, I'm sad. I can't handle it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kind of identifying that stuff. But I'm also, yeah, I drink a lot of coffee and I battle with food issues and I'm constantly eating nicotine lozenges. I I do self-medicate quite a bit, but I... I'm definitely behaving better than I ever have in this relationship uh, and finding myself being much kinder and um, and support much more supportive than I than I ever have. And, it, and it's a weird feeling because I'm getting gratification from it. I, I like doing it, mm-hmm. but it's it's alien. Yeah, I'm I'm in a healthy what I think is a healthy relationship now, which is mm-hmm. the first one I've ever been. In, and I noticed that. There are things that that I'm able to do in this relationship 
where I think, you know, in the past, if this kind of thing had come up, I would have resented the person for asking the, for this thing. Or I mean, I'm, and I'm, yeah, I'm just talking about like making time to call the person when I hate talking on the phone, right. you know, and, right. like, and I don't, I don't resent it because I get that, well, this is something that would actually make him happy and I want that right? as opposed to, doesn't he get that I need to just, yeah. as long as it's not every half hour and he's not panicking, I guess it's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where were you? You're three <laughs> minutes late on your call. I'm in the bathroom. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm down the hall from you. Yeah. 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 Okay. So how did you and Jessica meet? She emailed me. On uh, you know, through my website, you know, mm-hmm. I'd met her briefly at an event in San Francisco, and she said, "I think you're hot, and let's you know, let's hook up." Did you yeah. remember meeting her? I did vaguely, but uh, and, but then she sent me that email, and I scrambled to find a picture of her on Facebook or whatever. But she's not on anything. She doesn't. She's you know, she's on Twitter, but she doesn't. She's right. not public because she's shy. No, she just doesn't want to engage with it. She doesn't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. it yeah, she's uh, very intense and and and, and doesn't. Uh, it's just too much. She doesn't want to have to manage that. She loves reading tweets and 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 looking at stuff. She's real. She likes reading the gossips and that kind of stuff. But so we met, and you know, I said, okay, let's hook up. You know, I was still kind of, you know, in a a very hands-on fuck therapy. Yeah, uh, like that. Mean, I just you know, you know, having sex with as many people as possible to get my ex-wife out of my heart, and you know, I was not emotionally Mm -hmm. committing to anything. You are fucking the pain. Yeah, I'm quoting peaches. Yeah, I like it. Fucking the pain away. That's fine. And uh, so we we met and uh, at a comedy festival, and I just remember like I had no idea anything. And there was that walk to the hotel where you're like, I don't really remember what she looks like or anything. And you know, knocking on the door, and she opens it up, and I'm like, Oh my god, thank goodness you're cute. And I, so, but <laughs> but it was so wild because she had been up there for maybe two hours, and her room looked like she had lived in it for a month. Like there was just clothes everywhere. I'm like, How long have you been here? She's like, I just got here. I'm like, What the fuck? <laughs> It's just insane. And then that eventually moved into my house. Uh, you know, they're all her clothes are <laughs> everywhere. But yeah, that's how we met. And and I really, you know, I thought it was going to be just a three-day thing. But, you know, we connected. And then and I had to deal with that. And then I thought she was crazy. And, you know, but that's the weird thing is that when it came down to us having the biggest problems we had, I was like, she's got problems. And then, like, after three months of us being broken up, I'm like, who the fuck am I to judge what problems are? I mean, like I really had this moment. Right. Like I'm taking the high ground. <laughs> Look at my life. <laughs> so uh, that's when we kind of regrouped, you know, and, and started to you know be nicer to each other and accept that we were both kooky mm-hmm. and try to deal with it. But she's a you know, uh, she's a great person, and you know she works with autistic kids and. She works with severely emotionally disturbed children, so she's perfect for me. Experience, but she's like you know that's what I am. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's actually. There was a moment where we're in the kitchen. I was about to freak out about something. She goes, "Use your words." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Did a person just say that to me? Like a grown up? And but it's very effective. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm a I'm a child. Uh, But it's it's. what was I? What was I going to say? Oh, it, it's just very weird because I recently, you know, she's going to move in at the end of the month, um, and she had this storage space in, up in San Francisco that she had shit there, and she was always complaining about having to pay for this storage space because it was just a waste of money, and she'd always be late on the payment, and it was more than it had to be, and I was getting frustrated. I'm like, that's ridiculous. We should at least move it into a storage space down here, or put it in my storage space. So we, I'm up there last weekend for Sketchfest, and we rent a truck, and you know, and we go get this stuff. And there was this weird moment, and I talked about it a little bit on my show, but I don't know how I got like where we're loading up her stuff, and I and I, I seem to have realized for the first time that she had a life. 
I mean, she had a place. She had pictures. She had things hanging up. She's got Isn't hobbies. Isn't that gross and, when you have to realize that? It is a little bit because you're like, weren't you just, didn't you just right. appear in the world when I met you? Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it was, it was interesting because there was this whole world of her that I had no idea because she doesn't really live here, so she's not set up. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't go to her apartment because I, I just don't do that. And uh, she doesn't really go there either. <laughs> You, you know, it all seemed very temporary. Yeah. But to see that she had, you know, photo albums and, and you know, things and DVDs. And I'm like, I, how did I not? I felt almost disrespectful. I'm like, I, I started to feel ashamed that she spends all her time over here. Mm-hmm. But like, and and I, I would get hung up on like, why are the clothes are all, why are her clothes all over the place? I'm like, because you don't have any place for her to put them. And I'm like, oh, I should get her a dresser. So that was my, like I was treating her like some sort of animal. Like, here's your place where you can put your things. And there's the bathroom. <laughs> you know, and uh, I started to feel a, a little, it, it's, it becomes rude after a while that like if you're spending that much time together, eventually you got to step up right. and say like, you know, either you're going to move in here because after a certain point you can't, after you spend every night together at your house, you can't all of a sudden have that conversation where you're like, I think you maybe should go sweep at your house now. Because yeah. then it, at that point it's sort of like, why? So it's over? We're not, we're not right, the same? Right, right. Because that place doesn't exist anymore. And for the person who is spending all their time not at their place, I think when they then get back to their sad storage unit or whatever, it's sad. just weird. Like, whoa, I ha- I- I'm neglecting this part of my life or my- this part of right. me or whatever. Right. Right. And so it's, uh, it's uncomfortable. Right. And I, and I started to feel bad about that. But like, it was just wild to go through her stuff. Yeah. Like, she has a Pez collection. And like, I, I you know, she hadn't shared that with you at the beginning. She, I knew she had it, but I didn't quite know how many Pez's we were talking about. How many are we talking There's about? There's a lot of Pez dispensers. Are those going to be moving in? I don't know how we're going to handle that. You, you know, I, I had them fill a in a curio wall. Cabinet. Yeah, well, <laughs> I had, yeah, people collect. I mean, look at my life. I mean, I, I, I just had to, like, there's that room in my house. I have a two-bedroom house, a small house, but literally I don't know what the hell to do with that second room. And uh, and I made a joke about it the other night. It's like, that's the room I move women in and out of, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, but it's not, so we're I'm fixing that up now. You know, I'm getting a wall put in where there was a door and. Uh, and we're going to get her set up in there. So, and I'm just hoping maybe the clothing can move into the floor in that room, you know, for the most part, as opposed to all over the house. But <laughs> right. I say that with just love. Contain it. So like now me just saying that, I'm like, oh, she's going to hear this and be mad. It's adorable. It's all, it's all very adorable. And I, I'm okay with it. I don't freak out about the little things anymore. Well, it's good. just when the little things become a mound of things, then I freak out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But we're okay. Okay. She's moving in and everything's good. Have you read Gravity's Rainbow, which I'm staring at? On your I've started it many times. Yes, me too. Every, every a screaming few... comes across the sky. That's, that's it. Far... Yeah. yeah. Every few years, I'll say this is the year, and then I'll start. Yeah, a lot of books. I'm about twelve pages yeah. in, but I Same like looking with at them. Infinite Jest. I got to page yeah. four hundred, yeah. which is pretty. That's like that's a lot for me. It's yeah. like a book and a half. That's pretty good. But it's only a third of that book. I find I have less and less time to read fiction. I tend to read nonfiction, and and uh, I, I tend to read less now because I'm just busy. I tend to read stuff on my iPhone, not books. I should get a Kindle thing. I'm starting to, like, I'm, I'm like old man-ish in, in my surrender to technology. It took me a long time to get an iPhone. It's only been a few months. Mm-hmm. And now, like, the Kindle thing, because I travel so much, and I bring, like, three books because yeah. I think I'm going to read them. It's like, just get the thing. Kindles are cool because they're very light. Yeah, and it's like, what am I so attached to the cover? I mean, right. is it really that big a deal that like I got to look at the cover? If there's three pictures in there. Yeah, but I don't know. There's something about books, though. Oh, I know. I, I have them here. I have plenty. Yeah. Some part of me, like I went to my storage unit the other day, or we were at her storage unit, and I just I gotta just throw shit away because you get to a certain age, it's like what 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 is this what does this shit mean? All this stuff. I know. I have a tough thing with stuff too because 
I have way too much of it and I keep the wrong things. But there are times in my life when I've been like, you know what, this is ridiculous. I have to get rid of this. Like I moved, uh, I'm from California originally, but I was living in New York for uh, eight and a half years yeah. when I saw Scorching the Earth. Yeah. Scorching or Scorched You the saw Earth. that in that basement? Yes, in- I did. Oh my God. Because I know Dylan. He, he produced it, right? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was like, yeah, that was rough. It was really cool though. I really it, liked it, but, but it was downstairs at the Bleecker Theater, yeah. and upstairs Mike Birbiglia was doing his, yeah. you know, Ricky Gervais produced expensive show, and I was like in the dungeon, the leaky dungeon. You know, I saw something or heard something recently where someone was. It was a fictional theater people were talking about or making. It was a, a, a joke, but I was like, well, I've been to that theater. I wish I could. Remember. This is the worst example ever because I can't remember what it was, but it was something where I was like, I bet they are lampooning the Bleecker Theater. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so so anyway, when I was moving back to California from New York, uh-huh. I got rid of so much stuff, but I brought so much stuff, but the stuff I brought is the wrong stuff. And I got rid of like space heater, can opener, yeah. curtains, all this stuff that's like, did I think I was never going to open a can again? Yeah. Like, why did I? Why that stuff? Yeah. And you but... saved like a box of magazines? I saved, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, and papers yeah, and things yeah, that I was yeah. like, I, I don't know if I need this ever. Yeah, like, yeah. I have a, trouble getting rid of paper because I always feel like someday I might, someone will be like, that's ticket, that stub, you I, needed that. I think that. in thinking about it right now, the stuff that really needs to be assessed for disposal is stuff that isn't directly connected to you. Like, I have a lot of writing and files yeah. and things that are, like, of my life. But it's the, the things you hang on to that's where you really determine whether or not you're a hoarder. Is like, when you pick up that magazine... That you never read, and you're like, no, there's a good article in here. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. then you know, you yeah. might have a problem. Spin from 1999. I have those. I have those. Do you have I, the one with Evan Dando on the cover? It's I not th- 99. I think I have the first three spins. I think the Talking Heads were on the first, uh-huh. or Madonna. I think was on the first spin. That's pretty cool. Like I save that kind of shit. Like special editions of stuff. Like I have the newspaper uh, the day after Clinton was elected. Mm-hmm. I think I have the first three spins. You can put that shit on eBay. I, yeah, but I don't even know how to work eBay. <laughs> So you know what I mean, and like, right. what am I really going to make? And then that's going to be another time suck that yeah. I got to sit there and check eBay to see who's gambling on you know spin number three for nineteen dollars. I mean, I mean, that's the internet is no one's going to want anything that's a, a hard copy of anything. It's a time vacuum in the future. I like hard copies of things. I mean, I tend to like frame shit and put things up. That, like, uh, I I really there's some pictures in here that I like. Like I had um, like this guy gave me this. That Lenny Bruce piece of art with the Lenny dead and Lenny um, sitting there. That's a silk screen. It's done by a poster artist. I love that thing. That guy and that this Rodney Dangerfield picture. This that's that, cool. that I I think that should have its own room. I mean, that dude took pictures of me. He's a photographer. He I got a weird email from him. He's like, my girlfriend's a huge fan of yours. Can I come to your house and take pictures of you to give her as a present? And I'm like, that's weird. But yeah, if I can have some pictures. So he came over and did that. But then he told me he had shot Rodney a few years before he died for the LA Weekly or something. And I said, can I get a print? And he sent it to me. And it's like so, it's so intense, that print. Yeah. And then there's that thing, the cartoon of me That's interviewing cool. Fozzie Bear. I, I love shit. I love stuff. I like being surrounded by it. This was always my dream. You're sitting in my dream. This cluttered mess of books and artifacts. Is, I always wanted this. I'm living it. Hmm. Do you come in and look around and think, that pile needs to be two inches to the left. Sometimes I, it's getting a little out of control again. I I I really um, cleaned it up a bit, but then like now when the, with the popularity of the podcast, you start to get that radio show stuff, like mm-hmm. people soliciting stuff, publishers, and so now books are coming in, and I and I hate throwing away new shit, right. and I hate you know not eating stuff. Like I'm I don't like to waste things, so I just stack it up. 
So the four-hour diet, four-hour yeah. body. Yeah, that guy emailed me recently. You, you are Steve doing this? Ferris. You were doing this? I was this? doing it. Tim Ferriss? Tim, Tim. I keep I calling know, him Steve. I don't know why I just corrected you. That was rude of me. No, no, it's right, because I fucked up his name before. On the Jimmy Kimmel interview, I said Steve, and it's Tim, and he emailed me. Yeah, no, I did it for a few months, and I took off about 12 pounds, and then wow. it leveled off. I don't know that I really need to lose weight, but I like the you control. You don't look like you do. The control thing of it. You know, uh, it's it seems like a good diet. You can eat a lot, and the cheat day thing. Wait, is you, it just is it low carb or what is the? It's it's no, it's specific the, uh... carbs. You can't eat any white food, no sugar, no white food, no dairy, basically, mm-hmm. no sugar and uh, no fruit. So nothing with sugar, right. nothing with flour. You can eat a lot of beans, a lot of meat, and a lot of vegetables. Wow, but a lot you can of farting. Eat, yeah, it's not a good relationship diet. <laughs> um, but but you you can eat. And then, but your your body starts to crave the sugar thing. So mm-hmm. like you get that one cheat day and, and he's like, you know, eat whatever you want. So one day a week, I'm like an In-N-Out burger. I'm fucking eating ice cream. It's ridiculous. I'm not on it right now. I'm actually in the middle of a, a slight binge thing. A real one or one just where you feel like you're binging? I can't tell the difference. I, <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't eaten today, so I'm okay. Now see, when did the body dysmorphia start? Very early. My mother was uh, sort of anorexic, so she could not live with the idea of me being fat. I used to do a joke about it. It never worked. It was too sad and weird. No, I used to say, uh, the joke was, I really think that for the first nine years of my life, my mother just saw me as her fat. <laughs> that if, like if she just ate less, maybe I'd disappear. <laughs> and uh, so the body dysmorphia was really a way for me to get approval from my mother because mm-hmm. I was apparently a chubby kid and it just frightened her. Fat still frightens her. Like she said to me relatively recently, within the last five years, like she said, I, I think, Mark, I, did, I don't, if you were fat, I don't know if I could love you. Oh my so there God. was, and that was recently. So, you know, throughout my life, there were periods where I'd get emaciated. Like I remember when I first go to, when I first went to college, mm-hmm. my freshman year of college, I got down to like 165. I was like ridiculously thin and I was so proud of myself. And I came home, I'm like, look, mom, I'm, I'm half of me. And, uh, so that's where that started. It started like I was reading. Did she Cal- love you more? Who the hell knows? Yeah. I, you know, it's like, I don't know what that is. I, I don't have a regular relationship with my parents. I, it, my I, I love them, but I don't love them as parents because they're not really parental and they mm-hmm. never have been. So they're just these weird people I grew up with and we we hang out occasionally. And what were they like? Well, my, yeah, my mother was completely in you know, her life is built around uh, you know maintaining the weight of 116 pounds. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's her life uh, and cats and dogs. She likes animals. And my, my father's a completely self-involved uh, bipolar person. And, you know, it's just very random. Are they together? No. No, that's it. But that uh, seems like a recipe for happiness. Well, it was certainly a recipe to make a, a specifically fucked up kid or mm-hmm. two, me and my brother. Like, I don't have alcoholism or addiction in my family, but uh, both me and my brother are, uh, uh, you know, that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's not, it, you know, manic depression and eating disorder. It's great. It's, it's more complicated. You know, right. It's, uh, it, you know, I'm, uh, it's, For someone uh, who likes to think a lot. It's oh, perfect. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's it's a little kooky, but uh, I've gotten a, enough distance from it now. I can deal with both of them. I get along with them. There's no uh, no spite. Yeah, you know, I spent time with my mother recently. And How talked was to that? It's good. It's good. I I like bringing a woman with me as a shield. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How does your mom react to the women in your life? Uh, she liked the first wife. She didn't like the second one. She likes Jessica. But literally, I used to like going to to visit her with women just so I'm like, I might need to throw you in front of me when she's coming at me. <laughs> you're shield. just going to have to. Yeah, you're going to be my human shield in this. So what 
we've talked about it a little bit, but something that I often talk about on this show is um, people's relationship history and patterns and things like that. Um, and I, I, it's, I'm trying to par- pare this question down because it sounds so big to say to you, what is your dating history? But that's what I'm saying to you. You know, as I get older and I realize just what I've been through and, you know, how many I've been in, mm-hmm. in both ways, <laughs> uh, it's it's sort of a, a little staggering. Like, I, I can remember the important relationships, mm-hmm. but there's a lot in between that I, I'm losing as I get older because I've lived in several cities and right. it's got, I've gotten to that point where people come up to me, women, they're like, hey, and I'm like, Hi, where did I last see you? Did what happened? Have I been in you? Yeah, have I been in you? <laughs> um, I don't know how I got how I got it all in, uh, but I'm I'm 48, and uh, you know, there's a lot of years. But I remember the important ones. My first girlfriend was uh, she turned out to you know she was kind of on the fence sexuality wise, and I met her in college, and she had a punk rock haircut, and I was like, she looks interesting and crazy and wild. <laughs> I want to be with her and. That was okay. That got very, you know, abusive after a while. A lot of yelling. Do you go to B? Where did you go to B? Yeah. Mm. And then um, with my first wife, I, I met her at my brother's wedding. She was a maid of honor. I was the best man. And I sort of decided it very consciously. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to get her. And she lived in Boston. And so I basically, you know, kind of pushed myself into her life and just held on. And But there have been, like, the one, the, the women in my life that I remember, you know, loving but being afraid of it. There's there's some of those where like I really had the feelings of like I'm I'm out of control in love with this person, and in most of the time it, it, there was not much follow through. They didn't become relationships. We just sort of lived in that you know frenzy of uh, of infatuation for a little while, and then pulled away. You know, mm-hmm. I pulled away. I, I did meet a couple of those when I was you know with somebody else, so that might have amplified those feelings. But I don't know how to characterize it. Generally, um, a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my wife, the second wife, I was very into her, but it, I was completely obsessed and in awe of her. She was stunning, and you know, she was like it had a lot of fire in her, and uh, I ruined it. Yeah, I mean, it's two ways. It, you know, the, you you lock in with people uh, for a reason. You know, I can't quite understand it, but I eventually, you know, out of fear of like, I would have these discussions. I was like, "You're gonna fucking leave me. You're gonna," and then eventually, you might as well just be telling them to do that. <laughs> So is that what happened? You did your. Well, I was so afraid that I would lose her that I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah, I married her because I was afraid I was going to lose her. Mm, romantic. Yeah, it's good. That's how I proposed. Look, I don't want you fucking anybody else. Can we do this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> got married right there in the backyard. I should have known it was bad because it was very impulsive and it, it happened very quickly, and we made a very conscious decision not to involve our fathers. So when you're about to. <laughs> When you're about to get married and you're like, no dads, uh, like we got shit we had to resolve. This is not, this is doomed. Right. And how long were you guys together? Like eight years, eight or nine years. Married for about three and a half. And how long did it take you to get over that, do you think? Well, it it took a long time. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's just now that like, you know, I'm starting to you know get rid of the shit in the house. I wasn't emotionally attached to it, but now like, you know, it's sort of, you sort of realize. Yeah, I was, I was hurting very, uh, you know, fucked up for a long time, but mm-hmm. it, you know, it's, it's really started to pass for real over the last year. And what happened with your first wife? She's all right. She lives somewhere around here. She's remarried. Uh, I, that was just bad. I mean, I you know I loved her, but you know I I, I was not I didn't know how to be married, mm-hmm. and I didn't know why I was married, and I freaked out, and then I fell for this other girl who got me sober, um, and uh, I just left that woman. It was pretty awful. 
but I've seen her a couple of times, you know, because we her she's uh, friends with my brother's now ex wife, and she lives in uh, she lives close by. You mm-hmm. know, we had coffee recently. She's married to a good guy. She's all right. She's a therapist now. Oh wow! And my second wife is uh, has a child and lives around here. I never run into either of them. It's a miracle. Isn't that weird? It is. You always yeah. Run, more so in New York, not so much in LA. Yeah. Is it because everyone's in cars out here? Something. But, you know, you're never at a place. When are you ever at a place where you're not leaving pretty quickly? You know, I'm just going to run in here. Right. I'm going to go shopping over there. Like New York, you're on the street all the time. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you're walking. There's always like blocks and blocks of people that you're walking past. You know, here it's like if you run into somebody, it's, it's a fucking miracle. I know. You just happen to be at the farmer's market for the once in the month that you go there for no reason. Like, holy shit. You're... Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of... Uh non-deliberate moving around here Mm-mm. i sometimes i'm up here for days i don't go anywhere and like and there's no center to the city like out here i never go to hollywood why would i you know i got pasadena right there i got glendale there i got downtown I, if, the thought of going to santa monica to me is like i gotta you know, i better bring camping equipment yeah i mean it's like that's i'm never going to the west side i hate when i have to go to the west side i know it's, a nightmare. I, it's so far away maybe it may as well be another state yeah it's ridiculous and i'm not, I'm not i don't care about the beach so wait, did you did you live in you no, you did live in New York though, right? When a long you were time. Doing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you miss it? No. I was done. I was fucking done. How long were you there? I was there for on and off for like twelve years. I mean, yeah, you know, I lived there yeah, I was there in ninety three and then uh you know, I was there I was there for you know, ten years and a couple of years before that in the late eighties. It just got to the point where New York becomes a very small town, and it is what it is. I'm very comfortable there. I know how to exist there. I I can go there and you know get on a train, and I know where I'm going, and I know it, it just. By the time I left, I was done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, there's nothing for me here anymore. Really, I love the city, I guess. But even then, when you live there a long time, are you really utilizing that city? Once oh no! It, if no, I by the end, you aren't at all. You know, I, I don't. I don't drink anymore. I'm not yeah. running around, you know, to the middle of the night doing co- comedy sets anymore. It was weird. The last time I was there, I was literally sitting across from Lincoln Center, and I impulsively re- went to a symphony. Like I could have done that in New York. I could, you know, right. now when I visit, I'm like, maybe I should go to the museum. Yeah. Why didn't you do that when you were here? No, I, I don't know. The entire time I was there, I don't think I ever went to the museum. Yeah, you have to force yourself to go. So, what does it really mean to be in New York? It means that you got to get on a train every fucking day, surrounded by people's smells and sweat, and sort of be part of a, an organic cell in this larger yeah. thing. And it's all very good, but it, it's. It, it's draining. It eats time. I mean, your days go away. Your money goes away. And generally, you're living in a pretty uncomfortable place because yeah. you live in New York. Right. You're dealing with some obstacle. Like, you know, I have no kitchen. I have bed bugs. You know, I live in Queens. Whatever it is, you know. <laughs> you're yeah. at the whim of the city. We're here. I think you can really cut, you can cut out a little world for yourself. Yeah, it's true. It's cliche, but I miss that feeling of uh, I feel alive. When I'm walking on the streets. No, it's thrilling. But that's like something that you romanticize. You know, when you go back, you can experience it. But yeah, by that's the right. end. It's draining. Yeah. Oh, it really is. And But it, I love it. And I love the city. When I do the, when I do go there, I get very energized and I, I'm, it's exciting. But I, I, I can keep it at that. I mean, I, I like driving my car around. I like my house. Um, yeah, I don't why I don't know why people compare New York and LA. There's no comparison. It's a completely different lifestyle. LA is a lifestyle. New York's a lifestyle. That's a, there's not like I like this better than that. Well, it's stupid to compare them just because they they're the two coastal cities. I, mean, this- I think people compare them because a lot of people have to make the choice of which one. <sighs> yeah, but the truth of the matter is, is like you know you learn how to live in New York, uh, and 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 you feel proud Superior. of that. 
Well, in a way, because like you know, you're you got to be on your toes all right, the fucking time, right. and you got to you got to know that city yeah. to get around it and really have a handle on it. It's very daunting for people that go to New York for the oh, first I time. Know. Could you imagine that? Like, oh my god, right. it's massive. And yeah. once you get a handle on that, you'd have accomplished something. But here, it's sort of like, well, you drive. It's right. nice out most of the time. You, you, the only and, and as hackneyed as, as hackneyed as it is, the only issue, L.A. the, the traffic is fucking ridiculous. And I, and I hate to complain about it, but it is it is life consuming. I hate it. I know, I know. It was listening to to your show actually that made me realize I really need to think about getting. And I've been thinking about it. But a I, helicopter, I, a, <laughs> a horse, <laughs> no, a better car because I hate my car. And I, yet I spend so much, like if I had a car I liked driving, I don't think I would be as resentful of traffic. Just the idea that you got to go somewhere 10 miles away and you got to give yourself an hour and 15 minutes at a certain time of day. You're like, this is insane. I, Larry Miller was saying that he actually likes traffic because it's the one time in your life where you really have no control over it. And I was like, what about that is appealing at all? And you know, if you're late, you just, there's nothing you can do about it. And you just have to accept it. And I was thinking uh, that I don't that I don't like any part of it. And it's the having to be so alert while you're stuck in traffic, even though I like to do other things. Yeah, I mean, I'm, but having a, to be on and off. Oh yeah, break. A, I, I'm in, I'm getting into a little trouble lately in driving. But that whole that's a spiritual lesson, though. That what he's saying is true. That if you can somehow get comfortable with the fact that you have no control over it, that moment where you're not going fuck, 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 and you realize like there's nothing I can do about that, yeah. that is the beginning of spirituality right there. Yeah. That you, you realize that like I have there's nothing I can do. Well Larry Miller is a very spiritual man. Is he? He is kinda, a little bit. Um I said it as a joke, but actually I think he is he's pretty uh pretty centered. I've been and running calm. red Yeah. I've been running soft signs and red lights lately. But not really. Like I've gotten three tickets. Hmm. Oh no! What if a bunch of I think I, I um, like I do that thing where I like I literally stop at a stop sign in the middle of the intersection. Like I just drift right through, and, but I stop, but it's well ahead of the stop sign. But you've gotten three tickets for that. I've gotten uh, one ticket for that and one ticket for um, not stopping before I took a right turn. I thought they were getting rid of those cameras. I thought yeah. Were... Oh, so they're cameras. Yeah, I don't think. A cop got me on the stop sign. With the ones that are from the cameras, my understanding is you don't really have to pay those because they have no way of tracking it. What do you mean? They have a picture of me. But they don't. They have no follow-up. They have my they license plate. They don't enforce it, though. Double check. That's my understanding, though. That's why they're getting rid of them, because they don't have the money to enforce it. They're not, they don't Yeah, but now like a, some Adam Carolla cop fan is like, I don't like this, Marin. Let's go double check. Allison Rosen fan. Either way. Mm-hmm. I hope I haven't sicked the Corolla tards on you. Oh, don't do that. No, we buried that. That's a, Everything's good. Oh, I wasn't even... I don't even know... Okay. All right, fine. Let's start. Did okay, I make so, that up? Corolla tards? No. Okay. I don't, I don't... Okay. So every now and then I'll talk to um, my boyfriend, and I hate that I'm the person who keeps making reference to my boyfriend, so I'm going to have to I'd like to, to think start. I made up Corolla tards. I didn't. I think maybe you did. It was a while ago. So anyway, I'll... You know, because I... Uh, uh, a lot of them are super awesome, and the ones who are listening to this are wonderful, but there are some people out there who are jerks to me uh, and and let me know how they feel about my presence on the show and in a mean way. And so it'll upset me, but my boyfriend will mention 
the Krolotards thing and you, but I don't know what he's referring to. There was a period at the beginning of the podcast where y- y- what would happen you know, early on a couple of years ago when I started, you know, obviously Adam had been doing it in a while, that there was this, there were you know, people who have a cult of personality and have you know, followers are very loyal and it, it happens a lot in radio. So, you know, you get a lot of flack, like, fuck you, Corolla is so much better. And like, it, it, and, and I would call them Corollatars because <laughs> they, they, they'd fucking get in my face right. on, online and stuff. I feel like he would call them that too if he knew about well, it. Well, but I don't really does. feel that way because I, I, I've gotten, a, a, I've detached from it a little bit in that it's not radio. There's no reason why people can't, I know there's plenty of people that listen to both our shows. I have a good relationship with Adam. I have a lot of respect for him as a broadcaster and I, you know, I like the guy and it's just that there, there are people that just draw these lines. Mm-hmm. You know, you suck, Rogan's the best. You suck, Corolla's the best. You suck, you know, Jay Moore's the best. But oddly, it's just those three guys. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a generalization <laughs> to be made about that type of dude. Yeah. And 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 whatever. I, my, my approach is, well, don't follow me. Don't listen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, go listen to your guy. And, you know, my people listen to my guy. And people listen to both, so be it. I've gotten sort of magnanimous about it. And uh, I don't have the same feelings. They bother me. But, you know, some people are, they're team minded. You, you know, there's right. a, you know, people need to feel part of something and, and that's their guy. So that you got your guy. You know, I'm not trying to step on your guy. I'm mm-hmm. just not your guy. I right. can live with that. Right. Most but, of the time. Just don't, just don't bust my balls. They're monogayistic. They just yeah. need to have one guy. De- definitely. Definitely. And whatever that guy represents, you know, and there's definitely the type of guy, you know, that, you know, people, yeah. whatever. So you are writing a book. Yes. Wrote a book. Oh, yeah, I'm writing it. So, so, it's such a pain in the ass. When is that? Are there any uh, dates? For, like, well, I, when yeah, well, the it hasn't been turned in yet, so it's due in about a month. You, you know, it's essays and you know pieces. That's exciting. It's it's not. I, I it's it's a it's a it's a very hard thing to do, and it's and I'm beating the shit out of myself about it, and it's a difficult process, and. You know, I've been so busy the last year. I just happened to get this book deal in the busiest year of my life, and I want it to be good. I'm not really a writer. I don't consider myself a writer. I wrote one book before that people like, the the few people that have it, and uh, it's just a bane of my existence. But yes, I'm writing it. And what else are you working on? What else do you have coming up? Um, doing a lot of shows. Uh, I'm going to be in Oklahoma City uh, next weekend. What date would that be? On the 18th. I'm going to be in Grand Rapids at the uh, the Gilda Fest, that, the festival up there. I'm going to be um, in in South Beach at the South Beach Comedy Festival. Um, I've been working on, you know, we're trying to sell a TV show mm-hmm. to um, to people. Now you, okay, here's my, I don't have any sort of like, in the past, Mark Marin, you, you uh, were rude to me. I don't have any sort of stories like that, unfortunately, because mm. those are good. Mm-hmm. They make for good podcast but my one thing is so i was sitting on my couch in brooklyn and my friend tom johnson calls me up tom years ago Mm -hmm. um and says we are taping um a pilot it's called wtf yeah with mark Marin and i think chelsea was involved chelsea Peretti, yeah um and would you want to fly out and be a part of it you know maybe and i was like yeah that'd be awesome and Mm -hmm. then calls back mark Marin went with laurie kilmartin Mark Marin went with Lori Kamara. I don't think I knew you. I know you did. And Lori, you know, I've known for years. That pilot was really, it was before the podcast really took shape. And I just like the name WTF. And I pitched this weird panel show to w, uh, to Comedy Central. And they, they they gave us a little money and we did a, a pilot. And uh, it had no, it was nothing personal. Oh, I know. I just didn't know, I know. you. I didn't know you. 
What do you want from me? Well. Why? Well, I know that was one of those things, though, where I had to really take that in and be like, he doesn't know me. He's worked with Lori. Right. But Tom knew me. Maybe Tom didn't sell me. <laughs> Tom, Tom Johnson's so funny. How's he doing? I haven't talked to him in a long time. Last mm. I heard, he was, but last I heard as of like a year and a oh. half ago, two years ago, working on Conan's show? No, he's on Lopez. And That's uh, what I meant. And he got married? Yes. Yeah. Yes. To Yeah, I met the woman that he married. Um, But yeah, not Conan. Why did I say that? I met Lopez. Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing now. Yeah, well, I'll call him. Okay. See how he's doing. So are we? What are we at? What is what's happening? Are we are we trailing off here? Yeah. Well, I mean, I we're you you have someone else coming in. Yes, you have an do interview I? to do. I Maybe. do, I but so. I, I don't think it's right now. Yeah, John Glazer is gonna, but that's not gonna be up for a while. So don't get all crazy out there. When it's, are you putting this up? I'm not sure. If in a, talk, Gary. It'll probably be uh, <clears throat> the first episode goes up this Monday the 13th. You'll probably be uh, two weeks after that. So oh, so 27th. I shouldn't, I shouldn't plug anything. No, I mean, South Beach will still be coming up and yeah. stuff like that. So it's good that you got those on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, something that we do on this show is I have what I call the topic sombrero. Okay. And that's a sombrero with topics on pieces of paper in it. Because okay. I tweeted to people, if you are going to listen to a podcast um, about dating, which this is obviously not just about dating anymore, but, you know, what would you want to hear? Right. And so this morning, though, I don't know what happened. I was staring at the sombrero and I just couldn't bring myself to bring it to your cat ranch because I was like, what the fuck am I, carrot yeah. top? So I just have the Topic Sombrero envelope. Oh, that's fine. It's labeled. That's right. It's so, so weird you talk about dating because like, I don't think I've ever really been on a date. <laughs> well, what is this? I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I, just, I had no idea. I, did it go okay. well? <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, well, yeah, what would you call it, though? Relationshiping? Uh, yeah. I don't know what it is. You know, you lock in with somebody and you're like, yeah. oh, this is going to happen. And then it happens. I don't, you know, <laughs> I had never really. The one or two dates I've been on is just sort of, I don't even know what to do with this. I had never really been on a date until I moved to New York where uh-huh. I feel like there's a lot of dating that happens. Yeah. So I would go out to dinner with a guy and I would think that it would mean something because in California that would have meant something. If right. someone asked you to dinner, that meant a right. lot. Um, and But then it really just wasn't much of anything. Mm. But then, you know, all sorts of. With all the internet dating, then that uh, brought about a lot of actual dates, I think. Wow. I never... You never, never did that? I don't know. Until your current relationship? No, I never. That wasn't... But that was an email. That's different. All right. What's, what's this topic thing? I dropped one of the topics. Okay. I'm going to hand you the envelope, and then yeah. you pick one out, and then we'll discuss it. Are you, we each get one, or is no, it just me? No. No. It's just you. Okay. I got one. All right. How to make a relationship last... Oh, oh, yeah. You're talking to the boy. right guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know some things you don't do. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Don't say, you're going to fucking leave me over and over again. Uh, don't make them cry weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, realize that when uh, a woman, in my case, uh, says, hey, maybe we should get central air and heat in the house, that you should do that. <laughs> if they, Did if- you freeze someone out of your life? No, I just didn't realize that, like, I'm a guy that's sort of, I'm not cheap, but I'm like, I don't understand why you need things, mm-hmm. like couches, or <laughs> chair, or, you know, a place to eat. Like, if it wasn't for women, I would, it, that house would be empty, and I'd be living out of boxes. So, like, when a woman says, um, I, I, I want to do this, you should, if at all possible, do it. 
These are good tips. And it took me forever to realize that. Uh, Yeah, and don't get mad over stupid shit. Mm -hmm. You know, try to suck it up. Yeah, and also don't get involved with someone that you shouldn't be involved with. And you might, you might, some, but yeah, but you know, you sort of know. Yeah, don't don't do something because it's easy. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much, thank you. Mark Marin, for doing this um, podcast. For- I just need to give a quick mention to our sponsors, Gamefly. Do you play video games? No, not that kind of guy. No, no. I kind of knew you were going to say that, but I went there anyway. Well, a lot of listeners play video games or would enjoy them, so they should sign up for Gamefly. It's like Netflix for video games, the video game rental system that delivers games to your door and now directly to your PC. And just for you special listeners, you can get um, 15 days free if you sign up using my promo code. Go to Gamefly.com slash Rosen or Gamefly.com and then click the joystick in the top right corner and click Rosen. But there's a link on my site. So please do that because then it will just make me super duper happy. And also click. I'm selling it. Am I not? It's really good. (laughs) I'm just I'm taking notes on your craft. (laughs) See, on your podcast, you actually made an apology for giving sponsor mentions at the top. You're like, I give, you know, this podcast is free, so I've don't give that. me shit. Do people actually give you shit? Well, it's just sort of like after a certain point, you, you know, the free thing is good, but it's work and you want to make money. And that's right. one of the ways you make money. And you do still have the freedom to pick who you're going to advertise. And I just tell people, it's like, you know, you can forward through them if you want, but it's also a way to support the show. Mm-hmm. You're, you're getting it for nothing. Yeah, that's right. So another, order some... another way to support the show, Amazon. Yes, of course. You're going to order stuff there anyway. That's it doesn't right. cost you anything extra. Click the link on my site, won't you? That would be awesome. And also, please, if you enjoyed this episode, rate it highly. If you didn't enjoy it, keep that to yourself. That's not going to happen. I know, but I <laughs> hope springs eternal. And please tell a friend. And you can follow Mark on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Mark Marin. At Mark Marin. You can follow me at Allison Rosen. You can follow this show's Twitter feed at A R I Y N B F. That's Allison Rosen's new best friend. It's not Arian boyfriend. Um, I think, Gary, do I have anything else to say? Not that I can think of. That's why I keep Gary here. Mm, he's good. To tell me I'm that's, doing okay. That's so good. I know. I need one of those. Yeah, you should. You should I recommend it. <sighs> All right. Bye, everyone. Thank bye, you. Thank bye. You, bye. Hey, do you know? Uh,